0: Here's another Hoyt story from the season. We weren't expecting a lot going into it, honestly. It's actually over the counter pig. The success rate on an over the counter sheep pig in Alberta is minimal.
1: Welcome to the Hoyt Hunting Podcast. I'm your host today, Alan Bolin, and I'm really stoked to talk with Craig Temple and Brandon Lamb about the pretty rad film that you may, all may have seen of the Bighorn Sheep Hunt with the new Hoyt VTM. Guys, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having yeah. us, dude. Super so, stoked to be here.
1: So I went into Hoyt headquarters to do a podcast a couple months ago. And they showed me a short of this film and I was blown away. Like the adventure that you guys were able to capture and the way you did it, it it was like a perfect mix of like professional quality, but still real, you know, where it's not like overdone, but like, I just felt like, you know, having sheep hunted a ton, I felt the emotions Mm -hmm. of being there and it like made me, like wish I was there. And, you know, whenever you see something like that, you know, okay, they, they did this right. So I want to say good job. First of all, congratulations on a great hunt and a great Mm -hmm. film.
0: Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. I mean, like you said, the emotions in it, it was all, it was all very real. Like it wasn't, nothing was ran back. It was just the videographer and it was right there with
1: us. Yeah.
0: He caught everything, really, as real as it gets, and it was it was a pretty cool hunt. I think Craig can speak to that too.
1: Those of us who are experienced can like spot like B roll. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, we can spot. Oh, they redid that. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I mean, this thing was clean. Like it was just like raw, what really happened. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, it was definitely raw. Like, like Brandon said, there we actually when we went on the hunt, there's there's another guy, um, good friend of mine. Um, and he came along and he did the majority of the filming, um, all three of us filmed and took pictures. Um, and basically at the beginning of the hunt, we chat and it was like, we are going to run this thing as real and as raw as it can be. And we just yeah. go from there. So there's no staged, um, there's no stage stuff. It's basically just pound through deep snow, run up ahead as we were climbing up a ridge. Right. And it was, yeah. it was just, it was real as it happens. There was no, uh, there was no retakes. If you watch it, that there's all those arrows are still in Brandon's quiver when he draws. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And you guys were actually hunting when he mm-hmm. shows like hiking footage, like you were really hunting. It yeah. wasn't like you went out the next day and did a bunch of hiking for the no. camera. And yeah, that's, that's really cool. That was too much you work. You can feel it. You can feel <laughs> it somehow. Yeah. So. So how do you guys get a hold of this? Like, uh, you know, uh, just for everybody else in the world, tell us how you got a hold of a sheep tag.
0: It's actually an over-the-counter tag. So as an Alberta resident, um, unless you shoot a big horn the year before, you're able to get one every year. Yeah. So I think that's what made this hunt so difficult. Honestly, like the success rate on a over-the-counter sheep tag in Alberta is minimal, especially with a bow. So, we weren't expecting a lot going into it. Honestly. I mean, I definitely trusted Craig. I got asked to go along on it and I was just stoked to be there. Didn't really have any expectations, but it, yeah, in the end, I mean, it, it turned out. Yeah, it's, So it's, here it's, you are
1: with an o- over the counter tag. You you probably paid like 50 bucks for it. Exactly. And mean, it's not even 50 like American dollars. Like No, it was Canadian bucks. It was yeah, like 20 bucks. Can, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys go sheep hunting. And so, um, brand had, had you been on a sheep hunt before
0: i had yeah i've been on a couple but not not a late season sheep hunt like this like eight days in the road in a row cold denting it that was yeah. different that yeah was yeah for, for sure had you
1: archery hunted before
0: yeah or i've archery hunted since i was 12 but no, no I, meant, I meant
1: the other sheep hunts you went on were they also archery attempts no that, those yeah. were both rifle. yeah which yeah. makes more sense for a lot of people and you know a, a tag like that i you know I think the odds of even killing a sheep with a rifle are extremely low.
2: Yeah. It's, it's basically in Alberta, it's like 4% and that's rifle and bow combined on the general tags. So, right. Yeah. The odds, the odds were stacked quite, quite far against us. 4% Um, dang. Yeah. So it was, it's, it's actually quite funny how the whole, I mean, you can cut me off if you want, but how the whole hunt sort of panned out. I had, I had pitched it to Jeremy. I do photos for, for Hoyt for a few years now and I pitched it to Jeremy and I was like, Hey, how about Brandon and I go on this sheep hunt and we'll take pictures. It'll be epic. If we kill something, it'd be cool, but, um, it'd be, it'd be sweet to, to do po- photos of the new bow so that you can use those for launch. Right. And he was like, yeah, hundred percent. I'm all in. Okay. And then it was just, I don't know, it was what a month before the hunt. And Jeremy Hello. sends me a text and he's like, what do you think about taking a videographer along? And I wrote him back and I was like, well, we could, but the guy better be tough. Who did you have in mind? And he wrote me back and he's like, well, I was hoping you had somebody. And I was like, I got a guy. <laughs> I know a guy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I told Jeremy, I said, dude, you're gambling on us because this is like super, super low odds. Like I'm telling you yeah. right now, most likely not going to probably not even going to see a legal ram. Right? right. That's that's the odds. And uh, no, it, it there was a lot of a lot of screaming when it happened. That's for sure. <laughs>
1: <No kidding. laughs> so you guys were late. Like what time of year was that? last week or October. Okay. And so you got some heavy snow.
0: Um, Um, Yeah, that was the biggest part. I think that it was kind of the perfect storm. Like we were praying for for snow. We knew we needed a lot of snow. Right. um, To have the best odds. And we got an absolute dump the day we got out there. Like we must've had the day we got out there combined with our first night. I think we probably had, a foot to two feet of snow that we woke up to. Perfect. Um, and that stuck the whole time. That was exactly what we needed. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean it it makes conditions miserable, but like you gotta <laughs> have it. it. Yeah. I've hunted sheep in BC and you know, late like that. And you just you just pray for the snow. Yeah. That gets them moving. Yeah, you got them get pushed out of wherever they're holed up, where they're you know, whatever park or whatever they're sitting in that they need to move out of, you know. That's so how long were you guys hunting
3: <laughs>
1: the, the film i honestly didn't look like i i couldn't tell but it, it kind of looked like maybe that you had some early success
2: we we had early success really because yeah. we were planning on being there for the whole week and yeah, yeah. what was it tuesday so we we got in there we headed in early saturday morning and brandon killed on tuesday yeah so, yeah
1: you guys didn't quite look miserable yet
0: no no yeah No,
2: we were still smiling quite there. Yeah, (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I
0: think it could have been day eight and we still would have been smiling with the crew that we were with. So like, yeah, that's,
2: that's the thing, Brandon. Um, That's the thing. See, when you go, Alan, you would know this when you go hunting with guys, you have to, especially that kind of hunt, you have to go with guys that are more stubborn than you are more driven than you are. And when I asked Brandon, I was like, this dude never stops smiling. I've never heard him complain before. That's the kind of guy that you need on a hunt like that. Because yeah. it only takes day three or day four and you're not seeing legal RAM. And one person starts complaining in camp and it just snowballs yeah, into right. terrible yeah. attitudes, right? Yeah. Um, super positive guy that is just it was just positive all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's
1: that's such a good point, man. Like one guy starts pointing out something negative and then it's drawn to your attention, and it just starts and that can happen on any hunt. But when conditions like that, where you're literally sleeping in two feet of snow and you're, you know, I mean, you guys were, you guys looked, I I mean, it's cold, right? It's going to be cold. It's going to be wet. You know, you're going to have one nice thing that some people like I've, I've hunted late October in the Yukon for doll sheep. And one thing that was pleasantly surprising to me is because there aren't like that many hours of daylight. Hmm. Like you do, stay warm for like a good portion of the day, you know. Yeah. Like you, like you get a warm back up, and then like you go out for like an eight-hour charge or seven-hour charge, and there's not. It's not like you're out fourteen hours a day like in the summer when you're shooting yeah. hunting, because th- there just isn't light. So I mean, can you imagine fourteen hours a day in those conditions, like tr- you know, be through the snow? Like it would be, it would be really hard. So like you get a lot of rest on those late season hunts, even though the conditions are tough.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was huge. Actually, like we were we were getting good amount of rest. We, I mean, realistically, it's not like we're getting up at five six in the morning. We we're up kind of a little bit before dark, had our porridge or had our breakfast, and then hit the mountain. So we weren't exhausted waking up,
3: which was nice. yeah,
1: yeah. And so what, what type of uh, what what type of gear did you guys? Like you were hoping for snow, you were hoping for miserable weather. So, like, I'm I, I'm guessing you packed, packed for that. You probably Warm. saw the forecast. Yeah. So, what like what kind of layering did you guys use? I know you you guys had different. You know, uh, Craig, you were, you were Sitka, and Brandon, you were Kuyu. I noticed. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, generally though, what what did you target for that those conditions? You go ahead, Brennan. Yeah, I mean, I guess first
0: of all, it was pretty cool that we. I think one of us had Kuyu, one of us had Sitka to be honest, a lot of feedback on that. Um but for me I I did pretty good with my layering system. I would make a few tweaks, but I obviously had super down up top. I didn't have super down pants down below. I actually used the Kenai pants, which was that was the first hunt I, I ran on them and I kind of just happened to do that because the mm-hmm. the pattern I wanted in super down wasn't there. Yeah. But those Keenite pants I was actually shocked with them. And if I were to do this hunt again, I would run um, my base layer on the bottoms, the eye pant, and honestly, probably like the Chugach, like a rain, a rain yep. pant on the outside. That's exactly and what I'd I run. Really, yeah, I would have never yep. thought I would run something like that. But looking back at it, I think that would be the ideal setup. You just have such an ability to yeah. dump heat. And if it's warm out that day, you don't need to wear the eye pants, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause the super down is really great for sitting, but it's too hot for hiking and the materials that you have to use on a down um, because it's so tightly woven to hold the fine down inside the fabric, that same trait makes it not very breathable. And so it's like, it's almost a suffocating thing to hike in any down product. Like There's really no such thing as a breathable down product because all the down would just escape. So the Kenai is a great, like active sort of insulation. Yeah.
0: And I've always been a really big fan of the Kenai top. So I had the Kenai top as well.
1: Yeah. I did yeah. You the, run them the both, super right? Yeah, Cause you can hike in the Kenai and then you throw on the super down, like if you're glassy,
0: which is exactly what I did. So I'd, yeah. I would hike in the Kenai and I'd throw the super down on whenever, if it was like right in the morning before you kind of eat it up um, or you sit down for glassing. But that, yeah. the whole super down, um, jacket and the gloves were a lifesaver when I was coming oh, for sure, yeah,
1: yeah, well, Greg, educate us on uh Zika
0: yeah,
2: so what did you
3: wear it was the very
2: similar, very similar to what Brandon wore I mean um basically wore merino base layers and then um a thin um like a basically just a thin. Uh, sweater from Sitka. And then I wore their Timberline pants, which is like a, a thick-ish hiking pant with a uh, waterproof reinforced knees and seat. Mm-hmm. And then uh, obviously gaiters the whole time. And then honestly, Gore-Tex. Gore-Tex, their uh, their Dewpoint Gore-Tex gear. That was mm-hmm. the ticket. The side zips to dump heat. Um, you can sit down, you can crawl around in the snow, whatever you want. Um, and then I always used to carry a windstopper jacket, their Jetstream jacket. But I find that that thing is heavy in the There's bulk to it and stuff like that. And the with the wind, uh, sorry, with the Gore-Tex, throw on a Gore-Tex, you got your pit zips, you can open up um, super thin, super packable, small, um, and I -hmm. would wear, I wore their, uh, um, oh, geez, I forget what the uh, ambient hoodie. The ambient hoodie. That's it. Exactly. Mm, yeah. The ambient hoodie. So that's their new. It's super it's 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 really thin, but it's got some lofts for some insulation to it mm-hmm. um, and really active wear. So that thing would breathe like yeah. crazy. And then anytime I'd stop I had their, uh, their Kelvin light um, jacket, which is like a down jacket. I'd okay. zip that baby up and that had the hood on it too and throw your Gore-Tex on top of that. And doesn't matter what the wind or temperature is doing. That was, that was Basically, what I wore every single
0: day, all day,
1: yeah. And I never That's, got wet. It sounds really, really similar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that
0: yeah. ambient hoodie, um, Alan is super similar to our uh, our keen eye jackets, like it's an active okay. insulation. There, yeah. it, it's actually a pretty badass piece. Like, I was kind of jealous of it. The inside of the hood has a like fuzzy material in it, and something about nah. looking at. Clothing with fuzzy material. I was, it was like, that looks Brandon, Brandon right stayed now. warm. Just watching me <laughs> yeah, <laughs> But nice. the, the one thing with
2: that piece, I, I was super impressed with that piece. And I actually got the same piece for Whitetail, and I'll be using that piece lots, but it's the, th- that loft almost like that fleece is actually the insulating layer. And because the way that they've made it, they don't have to have an inner layer, an inner shell and an outer shell on the jacket. Um, that insulation is also the inner layer. So that adds to its breathability.
1: Yeah. The, the whole uh, down, down theory is like, it is, it is money. Oh, yeah. like the the, the ability to carry something so light that you can throw on. I remember when I first started mountain hunting 25 years ago, people talked about how bad down was because it wouldn't insulate when it's wet and all of those things. Like it was, there was a lot of like bad press out there about down. And I, you know, it is true to a certain degree, if it gets soaking wet, you know, they have this silicone impregnated down or whatever it is, that really is quite water resistant the shells are water resistant and all that. So it really helps a lot, but you could ultimately like clump up your down with water and that would be bad. But you just control those situations. You make sure you don't get your down soaking wet and you always have something that is going to keep you so incredibly warm. So it's, it's, I I would not, I mean, I, I carry a down jacket in the middle of summer with me. I mean, I carry them on the airplane, (laughs) you know, like, it's just like just having something that light that you can throw on. It's really warm at all times. It's it's so nice. So have Mm -hmm. you guys, um, have either of you guys been involved? Like Craig, have you killed uh, Alberta bighorn?
2: Yeah, I killed yep. one back in twenty thirteen. Um okay. I killed the killed a pretty cool ram. That was in November. That was on a draw tag. So the way okay. Alberta works is you can hunt September and October on a general tag. If you want to hunt November, you uh you wait for a draw tag. Yeah. So that's uh that was yeah. that was that
1: a bow kill, Craig? It was, yeah. 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 yeah that nice. was what was it? The Hoyt
2: I think it was a Hoyt Carbon Element, that one. Oh yeah. Yeah, you probably remember that. Wasn't
1: that the first carbon? I think this
2: one, it was the first one. There was, uh, I forget if there was, there was an element and the matrix and then there was like the element, like the G3, the, like the third gen element. I don't know. Yeah. All those cool twisty hollow
1: carbon fiber tubes. So so you both have a bighorn now with a bow. That's, Mm -hmm. that's pretty incredible. I got to say, I'm, I'm very jealous. You have a bighorn, do you? No, no. I've made a couple tries. Uh, Um, You know, I, whatever. I just haven't bighorn like the prices on bighorn have have gotten crazy and even very low odds hunts have gotten extremely high priced um it's it's the highest inflating hunt on the market um you know like literally to have like a really really high quality hunt i mean i this is gonna blow listeners away that aren't like watching the marketplace but you know it's nearly 200 grand for a really what? high percentage hunt. Yeah. Like to about, say cow. like a New Mexico tag or something right. like that, yeah. you know? And, and even so an Alberta guided hunt, which, or, or like a BC guided hunt uh, in those general areas are running uh, no joke, like 25%. Some of them run 50%, but 25 to 50% with a rifle. And those hunts cost over $50,000. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy so imagine going right? on a bow hunt. Like right now, I just can't justify that. Yeah. Like that's no, I that's a it. you know, you're you're probably talking, you know, whatever. I mean, let's say, you know, I think I always believe when it comes to mountain hunting, a good bow hunter in extremely good shape actually performs the same as your average rifle hunter. Like, yeah. I believe that, like I was a mountain goat outfitter for 17 years. And I know mountain goats are a little bit different, but a guy who can really hike and shoot with a bow in the mountains, yeah. it's just because of the conditioning thing, what holds most guys back is the fact they got a couple days of hiking in them, or they, they can't quite go, or they can't put in the long days. And they, so even like the rifles an advantage, but their physical abilities right. hold them back. So yeah, you still a, <laughs> yeah, a marathon type bow hunter can, can equal it out, but still Still, the odds are like 25% chance for $50,000. Yeah, I'm not doing that.
2: Yeah. I I think, I mean, you'd be... Like we've seen the stuff you've killed. We see, we, we know your standards. I've heard you talk on other podcasts, right? So when you talk about uh, uh, odds and stuff like that, that's odds of guys that are just going and will be happy to kill legal Ram. That's right. Alan Boland is not going for legal Ram. He wants something that is going to tickle his fancy, right? So um, your odds are coming down there, but your odds are also coming up because it wouldn't be your first rodeo mountain hunting and knowing how to do stuff. Right. So you're probably balancing out the same. there. still a lot of money.
1: Yeah. A grand slam these days is one of those things that is like, I mean, it's something that you have to like build a life around. Like if you really want to kill a grand slam, like you have to design your career around it. Like you have to save, you have to like, I mean, it's a, it's a massive endeavor. Um, and to do it with a bow. And then, then if you want to, if you have a certain like size requirement, I mean, just forget it. (laughs) <laughs> you know yeah but um
0: yeah it's crazy like i'm i'm 26 years old now and i would love to do a grand slam one day but you look at prices now yeah just for like an average working guy it doesn't matter how much you save it's it's a huge chunk of whatever yeah. your income is for your life right
1: yeah you know um you you're you're blessed though to have the most expensive one as a general tag and you guys have that that you know, Mark Dobb, Craig. Do you have other sheep? You you do, no. don't you? Okay. No, no, you don't. You have you don't just one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're also we all three only have one. I only have the stone. So. Okay. Uh, but you know, doll sheep is that's something that a guy can save up for and go. Like, yeah. You know, and desert sheep are declining in price.
3: Really interesting, interesting.
1: Yeah. So because there's unlimited habitat in Mexico. So yeah. in old Mexico, you know, in in the U.S. and Canada, you can't own wildlife. I mean, in Texas, you can, right? It's sort of like you can have private land and you can manage that wildlife and basically own it in a way. In old Mexico, you can own wildlife. So if you have private land, you can get, you can buy sheep, transplant them onto your land, grow that herd, and you've created new habitat, new hunting opportunities. So there's massive hunting opportunities in old Mexico for desert sheep Mm -hmm. that have actually dropped the price. When I, you know, like, so unfortunately, like in Utah, I have like 22 desert sheep points because I started back when desert sheep were the most expensive. If I could trade those for bighorn points, oh my gosh. But I didn't (laughs) know that. I didn't know they were going to flip. Now, you know, you can get a desert sheep hunt now. Like they used to, like, no joke, 10 years ago, they were 60 grand and everybody thought they were going to be crazy. And now you can find them for 35 grand. 10 years later with inflation. That's crazy. That's that's a phenomenon that's kind of mind blowing. So I think desert and... And doll are ones that a guy can make happen. If you put your mind to it, find extra ways to make money and you just make it happen. Right. But stone and bighorn, man, tall order. Yeah. All order. They really are. Yeah. And they're going to keep, they're going to keep shooting up, man. There's such a limited supply. Not quite as limited as bighorns, but
2: Brandon. Brandon's sitting here smiling because he's moving to Fernie, BC next year, oh, and then he's going to be a resident for stones. <laughs> look at
1: this, and then he can draw a doll sheep tag there too. Mm, yeah, yeah, Brandon. Yeah. You can in BC. You can kill yeah, a doll and a stone. I've I've heard that. Yeah, yep. you said build
0: your build your career around it. That uh, yeah might be in the back of my mind <laughs> yeah yeah did you save up for yes, a desert expensive sheep? expensive ones over the way yeah, yeah
1: that's doable we'll see well yeah i can i mean congrats to both of you for having uh a quarter slam that's super cool so so what do you guys think what's the state of bighorn hunting i mean you guys you guys are closely you know tied to one of the biggest and most hunted bighorn populations in the world um you know, what, what do you, what do you guys feel? Like, are, is the management headed the right way Are opportunities? Like what needs to happen to, you know, for the future?
2: Yeah. I don't know. I'm like, I'm no expert on it. Um, I don't think Alberta is managing their bighorn sheep population. Well, um, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Cause you can't age the ram. So we're, depending on the zone, the zone we're in is a four fifths curl. So, um, for, I think most people that are listening would know what that is, but basically you have to look at the Ram profile. The front of the horn has to come through the front of the eye, a straight line down and the curl has to come past that point. So it needs basically needs four fifths of a full twist. Um, in some zones, it's a full curl, um, full twist, but, uh, so you've got Rams. I mean, we saw Rams, We've seen Rams in the past where it's like, man, that's a big Ram, but he's broomed off, so he's like an inch short on both sides, or yeah. even the closest side is an inch short. So that Ram is going to die of old age. Well, that's so a double, double
1: broomer. You can't kill him. You can't kill him okay, because he has to cross
2: that line. Yeah, a lot Although of places else...
1: have have a special rule for double broomers, like Alaska does. Okay, I guess <laughs> but BC, BC, and Alberta don't, right? No,
2: but yeah, but okay. is that is that Rocky Mountain Bighorn or is that the Thin Horn? Because if it's that's Thin, a thin horn,
1: horn, that's a Thin Horn, but a double bummer right. in, in Alaska is automatically legal because okay. it's not it's not going to make the length requirement. It's double broomer. Right.
3: Yeah, right yeah. okay
2: yeah ours is only on length whereas right. bc with the thin horn like the stone sheep they are um age rings or yeah. length of curl well we don't have age because you can't really i mean you even get a ram a big horn in your hands and it's
1: it's tricky yeah, to tell exactly really if you're not experienced so in BC, you can't age them either right
2: no i don't think so no I uh, it would be, it would be big big Rucking yeah, the big thin horns, horns you can, but the yeah. rockies
1: you can't. Yeah. No,
2: no. So anyways, I don't think they've been doing a great job managing um, the sheep. I'm, I'm not an expert on it, so I won't speak into it too much other than um, <laughs> just the thought process is you shouldn't, I don't think you should be killing those things called U's that make more rams. Um, So we have lots of draw tags for U's. I actually drew, I don't know, it took me like 12 years, but I drew a U tag the other year and, uh, and I burnt the tag. I would have loved to go on the adventure, but I burnt the tag because I, I mean, if I want to kill rams, why would you kill a U that's going to make more rams, right? It just doesn't make sense to me.
1: Yeah, just get all your buddies to put in for the U-tags and not go. And
2: tons of guys in Alberta
0: doing it. Yeah. Lots of yeah. guys, right? Lots.
1: That's so, interesting. Yeah.
0: I can't really speak to the, the sheep management side. I'd, I'd like to get a little bit more involved in it for sure. But I think just in the amount of hunters and bow hunters and sheep hunters, we're seeing that skyrocket for sure even even the amount of people my age i know that are just randomly getting into hunting and growing up with them they have no interest in it like it's insane how many hunters there are now and especially bow hunters i don't know if it's like where are you based out of alan utah utah do you see the same thing across the states like is hunting just as a Kind of yeah. tradition or activity increasing?
1: I, I don't, I don't think in that it is in Utah so much as like you know they always sell up tags right. They have ever since I've lived here. But I think that the number of guys that that I get after it in mm-hmm. in a more more effective way is really increasing. And I know that that's the same. It like in BC, for example, on the Stone Sheep, I hear constantly. You know, guys book a guided hunt you know, in a top area, they pay a lot of money and they get back in there and there's a bunch of residents that are super well outfitted, great gear, great conditioning. They're good hunters. They know what they're doing. They can actually get in there and make an impact where it didn't used to be that way. It used to be where the outfitters destroyed like anybody in their attempts, like the outfitter was he knew more, he was faster, he, he, he could handle, I mean, it, they were just so much better equipped. And I don't know what's causing that. I mean, what I you know, the gear has made a huge difference.
0: I think gear and just the information that flows now through social yeah, media yeah. on the internet, like you can you can YouTube pretty much anything these days and get a really good quality right. in information from companies like Hoyt, from you from Sitka. So yeah. the gear aspect of it, the preparedness of it um, in terms of the gear. And then just fitness. I think hopefully people are getting more fit as we go on. It kind of seems like yeah. people are taking it more seriously. Some are.
1: Yeah, it seems, it seems like sure. the the expectations. Like, you know, guys. Let's say twenty years ago, when they couldn't pull up YouTube and watch regular guys figure out how to do it right so they had to like somehow imagine how would that work if i like got my gear together and went into the mountains and tried to find sheep and got rained on and stormed on and got soaking wet and how would all that work like it's almost like the unknown is scary yeah. And so then, yeah. now you can turn on and watch somebody else do it and say, well, that guy can do it. I can do it. <laughs>
3: I
2: think, exactly. yeah, I think that's a big, I think that's a big thing is the basically the information is available. So adventure is contagious, right? When somebody sees, if I see somebody go on an adventure and be like, dang, that guy can do it. And then I don't know, Alan, how many times have you got messages from people being like, Hey dude, can you send me a gear list of what you used on that hunt? Oh my goodness. Right. Like mm-hmm. your inbox right. blows up. Right. Everybody right. wants to know what gear you're using. And all the the top gear, like you said, back in the day, when the downfill was frowned upon, guys were wearing cotton, guys didn't have these fancy Gore-Tex boots, Gore-Tex rain gear, super light backpacks, bows that you can shoot accurately, depending on the person mm-hmm. you can shoot the bows mm-hmm. accurately to a hundred yards. Right. I'm yeah. not condoning long shots. Let's not get into that. But the bows shoot right. accurately out for long ways. Um, and then you've got unlimited resources for um, stories, for gear tips, um, uh, strategy tips. And you've got Google Earth now. So you can snoop every single yeah, drainage. Probably. You can pick your camp spots before you even get there. You yeah. can find which drainages, which trails to go. Um, there's just so much information out there that it makes it attainable. Because like you said, otherwise, it's like you scratch your head and be like, well, I kind of want to do this. But is it even possible? But as soon as right. people see that it's possible, now you've got some of those hardcore guys that are going to be like, yeah, I'm doing it. Uh, I'm going to make that happen yeah do you, guys, do
1: you guys think hunting is um has it gotten cooler like you know what I mean by that like as a fad um, type of thing yeah, it, you know it used to be like and I don't know I mean I, I hear different things about hunter numbers, right but it doesn't seem like it's such like a redneck thing to do anymore
0: no, i I think it's definitely and I don't think fad is the right word, but I think especially mountain hunting is getting a lot it's getting looked at a lot differently. Um, And it's almost putting like looped into kind of those adventure activities like that backcountry skiing and, and all that type of activity. I think they're throwing that into it now. And you're seeing people, I think a big part of it, honestly, is you're seeing um, people with such big names getting into hunting as well, like guys in the CrossFit industry or say Joe Rogan, guys like that. And people are seeing that, that they reach a totally different audience. Now they're looking at, wow, Joe Rogan is, is huge into hunting like that's something i can get into it or he speaks highly of it he right. brings campaigns or someone on his podcast and they talk about it that immediately sparks an interest
1: yeah i think it is getting cooler quote unquote for sure yeah and then guys with the opportunity to to get these these limited tags you know that's just going to know the 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 right well-equipped well-prepared guys are going to flood into the mountains and take advantage of these opportunities while they're there and i mean i don't blame them i would i mean if i lived in bc or alberta i'd be there right and that yeah yeah that's uh it's pretty interesting you know things are going to have to something will have to give you know Mm -hmm. i mean i see it in alaska too like the number of people that hunt doll sheep it's just It's unbelievable how many guys, and, and, you know, like, I don't know. I'll just give an opinion here, uh, that uh, may or may not be popular. I don't really care. Um, you don't need to freaking shoot a sheep every year, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and some of these guys are killing, you know, young rams every year, just to say they killed a sheep. It's fine. You know, in my opinion, Hey, if you want to kill a sheep every year, fine. Kill one. That's 10 plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kill a 10 year old every year if you're that good kudos to you go kill a ram every year but he's got to be 10 year old plus don't yeah. go kill a freaking seven and eight year old every year
3: yeah, yeah.
1: Like, that's not helping anybody that's not help. like i don't know what that's doing for your ego but it's not good for hunting
2: yeah no i i would i would have to agree with you alan i think um i think that i mean obviously the the goal is to kill a, a mature ram and stuff like that but I know when I shot my Ram back in 2013, I had multiple people say, um, sheep aren't like white tails, right? Yeah. So you can yeah, go yeah. kill as many whitetails as you can legally kill and they'll just repopulate and they'll come back and whatnot, right? But they're like sheep is different. Um, sheep is sheep is totally different. So my first ram that I killed, I got lucky. It was 11 and a half-year-old Ram. It was an oh old Ram, gosh. right? Yeah. So I don't wanna I to be honest, I'd be kind of embarrassed to shoot a five or six-year-old Ram. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Not embarrassed in the fact that it was an accomplishment, but I'd be like, man, I'm not helping out the population at all.
1: You know, and I'm not saying that somebody who like say, it's their lifelong dream to kill a sheep and they get into the mountains and there's a legal Ram. Yeah. Great. That's awesome. I'm not saying never, ever, whatever people can do whatever they want to do, but I'm saying you don't need to kill a young Ram every Every single year. year. Yeah. That's not, that's Mm -hmm. not helping anything, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: I think that's the biggest difference too. And I would say that most sheep hunters, at least the sheep hunters that I know are pretty good about that. Like guys who've shot like Craig, they shot a really good mature Ram. Other buddies that have shot mature Rams. They don't really have an interest in in shooting a younger Ram than the one they shot. Like the the idea is to shoot a more mature Ram every year and they don't mind waiting. Like they've gotten their one. It's awesome. They're stoked about it. There's no rush to shoot another young Ram. If anything, they're going to be helping other people like, Craig helping me on this hunt or inviting me on this hunt or even letting me have the shot I I didn't go into that hunt expecting Craig to to let me be the hunter like I just went on that hunt expecting to take a long wicked experience but the majority of sheep hunters that I talk to it's they're there to help someone else out if they've already shot a ram um, or they're there to shoot one bigger than the last one
3: they shot yeah
1: so so Brandon tell me about about like what so you guys you guys got in saturday so you hunted saturday afternoon sunday monday did you guys see this ram before uh i i noticed in the in the film it's it's been a week or two since i watched it but i believe you you saw but was it a different ram or was the same ram you'd seen like the day before
0: yeah i mean going back to saying that or i guess i will say quite a bit of luck went into this hunt like first of all, that huge snow. You
1: gotta fall. be lucky, man. We uh, we gotta oh, have a man. little bit of luck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of
0: luck on this. One. Anybody
1: who says they don't believe in luck, i, <laughs> I don't
0: know. some yeah, someone wanted us to kill a ram yeah. that week for sure. But we uh, so we got first of all, we got that huge snowfall. That was huge. Yeah. The first day we went up, we saw a bunch of ewes and lambs. Had a wicked day. Craig was familiar with the country. I've never seen it, so I was kind of getting familiar with it. And on the way down, I literally looked back one last time, like in the same general areas that the ewes and lambs were, and just noticed a ram or a, a bigger sheep that was darker. And I was like, through my up. I was like, holy, that's a ram. And he was not there like five minutes ago, just came yeah. out of the tree line um, above us.
1: A lot so of these rams are timbered back, up, guys. Is that, is that the case? They're, they're timbered up a lot?
0: They spend a lot of time in the trees, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. That makes For it sure. tough. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like it was just by chance. It was that would have been the last time that I turned around before we were heading down to camp that we saw that. And if we didn't see that ram that day, I think Craig would agree with us. We probably would have been hitting a different mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, were, we wouldn't have
2: necessarily move, but we were going to check some other areas for sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Like Very that nice, was
3: huge for sure.
1: So, so you saw that ram as you're heading out. So it's close to dark. So you headed back in the next morning to, to turn them up. And yeah. and that is that that you were able to do it that day. Nope. no
0: no nope. no we were after him the whole day i can tell you that much that was the that day was probably the hardest of all of them for sure we did try to put a stalk on them
1: oh you did uh, turn them up though Like yeah, you found oh, sorry yeah. okay right. yeah okay we did yeah we did turn i was i was blown away in the film i loved the cat and mouse scenes
3: mm-hmm.
1: there were several cat and mouse yeah. scenes that you guys are playing with this ram that was really cool and like created a lot of suspense. Like I was like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this is going to happen. And then it didn't. Like, <laughs> like how, many, yeah, how yeah. many, how many opportunities are you going to get? Like, yeah. that was cool. You guys, you guys <laughs> must not have pressured them real hard.
2: Yeah. We, yeah, I mean, we did, we, cause we came down, we made a first stock on him and then we kind of screwed up. He was in the open and we were in the open and we kind of skylined, and we bumped him and he went down into the timber. Right. And we're like, mm-hmm. crap. So we gave him some time, backed off, gave him some time and he didn't really know what was up. He knew something was up, but didn't really know. And then we followed his tracks through the timber. And basically mm-hmm. we eventually came and we, they smelled us, the wind had swirled at one point and they smelled us and uh, we saw them, I don't know. It was hundred yards kind of thing, but it was windy and, uh, got away from us. And then we, we actually, you got full draw on him at 30 yards that night. That was on Monday. And, yeah. uh, there was just a little crack, a little crevice Dang. and, and he, the other round that was with him, slowly went through. And then this Ram just darted through Brandon's opening. And that was, mm. that was it for that day. So, we uh we were multiple, pretty stoked to go back
1: encounters.
2: yeah we were pretty stoked to go going back to wow. camp we're like we have a legal ram on the mountain like 100% legal ram like this sucker is killable
1: yeah yeah
2: for
1: sure and he's yeah. and he's thinking about the rut and he's not probably just going to like clear out
2: no. Well, Hopefully. honestly, that that was early cuz their rut here is like very end of November into the first week of December. So, mm. we're still we're still a month early. They they went and they'd lip curl and check use and stuff like okay. that. They'd smack heads a little bit, but still in bachelor herds and not it was kind of like a pre-rut kind of thing.
1: Okay. Okay. They're starting to think about it maybe. Yeah, up they're starting north, to think about up it. north in, the thinhorns like it's late October. So, you guys aren't quite into it then. Yeah. No. no. Yeah, okay.
0: Okay. No, definitely not. That day, though, I, I don't think we can skip over that hike through the timber when we <laughs> oh, did bump yes. into the timber. Terrible. Oh, that was like, have you gone cat hunting Alan? like in yeah. thick bush? Mm-hmm. If it, it felt like that, like that type of heavy, heavy bush. And you're following these sheep. And I, I was mind blown at some of the stuff that these sheep were going through. And we're yeah. trying to do it. We don't know like how far ahead they are from us because we didn't really bump them too hard at that point. So we were trying to do as quiet as possible. And it's that thick of bush all the way to the peak of this mountain, or eighty percent. So I'm trying to move that slow, going up through that thick of bush and like crawling. And it was so slippery. I lost a cramp on that
1: day. That was definitely the hardest <laughs> day. I <laughs> was brutal. no kidding. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine like that. Was the was he with other sheep? I can't remember.
2: There was two. I think there was two other rounds with him. One was a little banana horn, and then one was. I think the other guy might have even been older, but he was short. He was short. Mm -hmm. He wasn't quite legal. I think he was probably with within an inch, but he wasn't quite there.
1: Yeah. Dang man. So 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 that day was kind of a, I mean, a bit of a heartbreaker. But you guys were pumped because like you were on it.
0: Yeah, you put it best with cat and mouse. That day was like from. The Sa Don cat and Mouse, We yeah, didn't leave that defeated because we kind of knew where he was gonna hold up ideally till the next day, so we were pumped on the way home for you sure. Know, I think I think the attitude piece
1: day. right there is so critical. the fact that you know you got close, you got busted, it didn't work out. like there's two ways you can walk away from that. You know, you can yeah. walk away like, oh man, we this might have been our only chance. That might have been yeah. Like uh, we messed it up, but if woulda, coulda, shoulda and on and on. Right. Or you can look at it. And this is what I, I mean, I try to run this through my head when, when something happens like that is like, how, how lucky am I to have had this happen today? Mm -hmm. Like I could have seen nothing and instead I had an opportunity and it didn't work out, but man, was that fun? Yeah. Was that ever fun? And like the alternative was I could have sat and froze glassing all day and seen nothing.
2: Because we'd all been
3: there. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I love that you guys were positive coming out of a day like that. I yeah. love that. I, I think that may have, like, been good karma for you guys the next day.
2: Because, yeah. Because, I mean, we came down after that. We came down. We got back to camp. And we're making whatever. We're making our peak refuels, boiling our jet boils and stuff. And yeah. I, re- I remember specifically, Brandon was like... Man, like, what do you think the odds are? I was like, dude, we're not leaving this mountain without that ram. I'm telling you, we're killing that ram. <laughs> <laughs> we're guaranteed we're killing that ram. I love
3: it. <laughs> so
2: yeah. So the next morning we woke up and we went up and we found him on the same, basically the same face that we would left him at dusk the night before. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, he was basically, he was up there and we, on those cliffs, there was some so, pretty ugly cliffs and,
1: so did you put that? Uh, that was that the final stock on on Tuesday morning.
2: That was Tuesday so you put morning. One yeah. more
1: stock together.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. And
1: and and walk us through that. Like how did that stock go?
0: How did it go, Craig? I mean, first of all, it was. I don't want to skip ahead too much. So,
2: well, so so <laughs> well, you spotted maybe. them.
1: Like where were you when you so, saw him? You below him.
2: We were basically we were above him. So sure, he was oh. down. Yeah, we came over the top and peeked over the edge. Oh, that he was nice. on. Yeah. That's so nice we weren't too. a long ways above him. But as soon as we peeked over, we're like, oh, crap, he's looking at us already. <laughs> mm, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a couple hundred yards away. But we did a big loop. We backed off. We did a big loop, circled around. And then I think I, yeah, I belly crawled over to the edge. Where it was, and I peeked through some spruce trees and ranged them. And now here's the the catch: I'm colorblind, right? So I got this stupid rangefinder. I think every rangefinder is (laughs) it's that orange, red, whatever, right? That Mm -hmm. bright red thing. So on white snow, it doesn't show up at all for me. So I basically look through the rangefinder. And I click it. So it turns on. I know it turns on. And then I put the ram in the center and I press the button. I let go of the button. And then I point it over to spruce tree and I can see the yardage. And then I go back and I keep click, clicking. I, I did guess, that, right, that sounds times. like
1: a horrible system. It was not, it was not <laughs> ideal. That, I mean, how, how do you know you even hit the ram? Like that. <laughs> he, was, he was telling me this. you need to get out, a black, like, what do you mean? black reticle on your range. Well, dead.
2: Brandon and Brandon says to me, I lean back to him. He's like right beside me. I lean back. I'm like, I was like, he's within range. He's like, how far? I'm like, like 69. And I'm like, he's like, like you confident. And I'm like, no, he's like, I was like, I got two ranges that said 69 and the other ones were like 80 and one was 40. And he's like, well, I was like, I'm I'm quite confident. It looks 70. So yeah, shoot
1: for that. Um, So you, you, uh, you took that Brandon. Yeah. I think it
0: actually was correct me if I'm wrong, Craig. I think it was 72 or 71 or something. Yeah, and I was like, you need to double check this. Yeah. he's like, I'm confident. I'm confident. I was like, All right,
1: <laughs> All right well, let's, 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 Was
0: there an angle? It
1: looked like, it. like there was a bit of an angle, right? But yeah, not much a bit of an angle. It was
0: not like, tons. A, it was a dream shot. Like, we were right yeah. over the ridge and there was a dip, and then he was kind of on a, a cliff or mm-hmm. yeah, a bit of a cliff. So it was across a little valley, like a dream shot worked out super well, honestly. A lot of people, I don't know if you saw this in the video. So when I came over the edge, the Ridge, I was ready to draw. and Craig was Craig was there. And I was like, Craig, this, the branch of this evergreen tree is like in my way. I need to move over. And these Rams are already kind of aware of like mm. us being there. Right. So I was like, I need to move over. There's a chance I'm going to hit this evergreen branch. So I moved over a foot, thought I was totally in the clear drew back. Broke a perfect shot. Like my pin broke exactly where I needed it to. I I heard the arrow hit. I was 99% sure that it hit hit his body. Like it was that kind of thump noise. Yeah, yeah. But what ran through my head is like, well, that's either a dead... Evergreen behind them, and it's a stump, or it's. I thought him. that same thing. before. Yeah. <laughs> it's, never, it's never a dead stump. <laughs> I mean, <It's> like, <laughs> exactly. I was like, it could be a dead stump. Yeah, you know, I thought that same thing. You know, just like <laughs> yeah. every
1: possible negative, you know, yeah. scary yeah. thought enters your mind. Like, well, bro, you're hunting in snow. It would have been whisper quiet. You thumped Exactly. Them. Yeah. yeah. Well, here,
2: here's the here's the thing. I'm just going to pause the story for a second. So we had talked before about like when you shoot an animal, it makes a certain sound, and if you bow hunted long enough and you've hit, you know what different parts of the body sound like when you hit. So I'm trying to explain this to the day before, two days before anyways, Brandon shoots. And I was just like, I was right on uh, Brandon's shoulder with the camera came up with him. Right. So I got the 24 to 70 up beside him. And when Brandon shoots, all I'm looking through is a tiny little screen telling myself, don't screw this up, Craig. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't actually get to watch everything happening. I'm just watching through the screen. And he shoots and you can hear. And I'm like, dude, you hit him. Like you hit him. And he's like, I don't know. It might've been the tree. I'm like, no, like you hit him. I don't know where you hit him. such
1: a beautiful sound.
2: It was was the, the, it wasn't a sharp crack, but it also wasn't a wallop of like guts or something. Right. It was, there was a crack, there was a snap to it. And I was like, dude, you hit him. Like you hit him in the ribs. uh,
1: um, People who haven't mountain hunted and, and, and like made shots at distance, like the, You know, when you shoot a a white tail at 25 yards, like, like you see it all happen. And that thump comes so immediately that it like, I mean, the thump is always a great sound to hear, but when, when you make a longer shot in the mountains and you lose sight of your arrow (laughs) and you, you almost have enough time to say a prayer, (laughs) you know, and then you hear that thump, it is like the most incredible sound.
3: Yeah. Like you just Um, like, Oh my
1: gosh. Yes, Yeah. I mean, you know, every and, and of course, under that. where you hit matters, but the sound is a great the sound yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: exactly. Well, yeah. It definitely plays you on a
2: start. Our, uh, we went from like highs to like instant, oh my gosh, because I was like, oh, I got to watch it back in the video. So I zoomed back <laughs> in the video. Brandon watches over my shoulder and I pressed it in slow-mo and right in front of him,
1: he hit the tree with his arrow. That's- uh, yeah. Did the you, see, you didn't see that alan in the video wait a second you guys hit the tree yeah that tree that i said i was trying to miss but, but you hit the the sheep i'm sorry what you you so hit like some branches
0: the branch
1: okay so okay branch, okay
0: that branch that i was worried about hitting yeah. and i moved the foot to the right
1: yeah i think i remember some, i'm like sorry I, I,
0: over. yeah
2: so it okay. nicked it nicked the tip of that evergreen probably what oh, Brennan 10 15 yards in front of us maybe 20 yards yeah. not even yeah. and if you watch it in slow mo that arrow kicks completely sideways oh my gosh it comes back corrects goes sideways the other way and it straightens out probably maybe 20 yards from the ram just as the ram is turning sucks in behind his back his his back rib and blows out his shoulder
1: saved by Wait. the fletching <laughs> saved right by on. the fletching Honestly, with honestly, bro, yeah, yeah. saved by the mechanical broadhead. Yep, I that say. too, for sure. I gotta say, anything else would have just kited off. Head that turns sideways like that in the air, no. forget it. Yeah, like yeah. you. I noticed. I, I believe you were shooting my favorite broadhead, Grim Reaper. Yeah, also yeah. my
0: favorite broadhead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and especially
1: now, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah that's I, solidified. I've, I have seen a lot of kills with the Grim Reaper. It is hmm. a fantastic broadhead they're, yeah. they're wicked. And like, even with that
0: deflection, I guess, first of all, that's where that luck comes into play. Like I was, I've never seen an arrow hit a branch like that and be able to, to redirect on course. Like it yeah. worked out so well. Like I said, someone definitely wanted me to kill that Ram, Yeah. but um, that, that still blew through that Ram. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah, 70, yeah. 72 yards with yeah. being deflected. And it was that round was dead that was a three blade, heard, three
1: eighths, three blade. That's yeah. yeah, just the yeah. classic, you know. People like, I, you know, we're not going to get into a big debate here, but you know, people who like, like I get it, I get why you'd want to shoot a fixed blade. I occasionally do, it depends on the hunt, but go out and like you got your fixed blade shooting well. Um, shoot a mechanical and a fixed blade side by side, they should be impacting together, right? Then torque your bow and do mm-hmm. the same thing, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, or move your rest a 16th and do this the yeah. same thing yeah. like and see what happens like the, the forgiveness
2: it just takes off like crazy yeah yeah i think yeah, i yeah. think like you said alan i think there's a time and a place for each of them right um right i shot i shot some mechanicals a couple years ago two two years ago and i shot an antelope a mule deer and a moose with a mechanical right and it killed everything sure mm-hmm. but i i we, I live where I live. There's a lot of moose around, right? So I hunt moose every year yeah, and yeah, it's just yeah. an the counter tag. And so I've killed, I've killed a lot of moose around home here. And for the most part for moose and ideally elk, I don't know, fixed yeah. blade for me. It's just like, and the other thing is you're in where, where we're in with uh where I'm at with, with moose is they're in such thick alders and willows all the time mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. if I get like a 10, 15 yard shot and there's like, A willow in the way or a little bit of grass in the way, I know a fixed blade is still going to punch through there, and I'm killing that moose. Mm. Whereas a mechanical, it's like man, touch one blade to grass, you're done. It'll go sideways (laughs) on you. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah,
1: I'm not. I'm not sure on that test, but but I let me let me agree with you on this. Yeah, I agree that the bigger the animal, the less the. Accuracy matters where mechanical is a game of accuracy, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and the more penetration matters. Yeah, and so, yeah. like on a bison, I'm going to shoot a fixed blade every time, right? Because yeah, yeah. it's not a game of accuracy. It's a freaking 24 inch kill zone. Yeah. I'm not going to miss that, yeah. but it's a game of penetration, right? But yeah. on an antelope, it's a game of accuracy and it's a game of massive trauma. Yeah. yeah. You know, if they jump the string or whatever. So, I want a giant mechanical. The smaller the animal, the bigger the head. Mm-hmm. The bigger the animal, the smaller the head. Yeah, you know. But anyway, I, that the, mm-hmm. did your choice, Brandon, on that hunt. That's the same head I would have chosen. That's and it did the job on that's 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 freaking awesome. So you guys, was, uh, yeah. so you guys knew and knew you knew it sounded like sounded good. You probably saw a little bit on the film. So you start tracking. Did you did you find blood in the snow?
3: So we actually,
0: I mean, we heard the thud. We still had some questions specifically after we saw that branch in the video because we could see it and we're like, how is it How is it not going to impact uh, yeah. it that much right, if right. we see it hit that branch? So we're kind of up in the air and Craig went back. So he backtracked along the ridge and threw the spotter up and we saw the other two rams keep walking without without this ram. We're like, mm-hmm. okay, that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Craig also saw a raven flying. We're like, that's another good sign. So there's two good signs. And then we decided to move up the ridge so we could peek down to kind of where he came around a cliff after I shot him. So that was the first time we could see back where he came to. And I did I spotted a small pool of blood with my binos. Craig again, colorblind, couldn't see. So he's kind of living vicariously through me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's that's
0: (laughs) real colorblind. But so we worked our way down, and that pool of blood ended up pe- being a pretty decent pool. But on top of that, we saw a slide mark. I was like, yeah. Craig, it looks like, it looks like right where that pool of blood is, there's a slide mark. And we're like, okay, that's good. That's our third good sign. And I, there was a small patch of evergreens right before like a 75 foot cliff. And we're like, all right, well, I did not take my binos off that small packet batch of evergreens for like probably 10 minutes and i was sifting through that and eventually caught a tough the hair
1: oh wow I nice I, I
0: think i think we got him and that's when we celebrated that's when the yeah. huge sight of relief, huge side relief that is awesome
1: It's it's nice yeah. i mean it's nice to spot them uh from a distance i i, yeah. I think you know the whole stress of tracking like if you can mm-hmm. avoid that and somehow like find them yeah. with your eyes that's a beautiful thing You guys did a great job. You guys did such a great job. It's, I mean, just capturing that adventure that the, you know, getting it done on such a low odds general tag with archery equipment, like what, what an awesome hunt. What an awesome accomplishment. Huge. Congratulations.
2: Thank you, sir. I
0: appreciate that.
2: Pretty pretty stoked. Still on. Still really on. Still in Cloud Nine. And I don't know if you've. I'm sure you've been around with other people before when they've shot stuff, Alan. And it's like I've told lots of people. I'm like, man, like I am seriously as stoked for Brandon as though it was my own Ram. Right. Like when you have a team hunt like that, it's like it feels like it's more than just being your buddy being like, yo, dude, I shot a white tail. Can you help me drag it out? Right. Right. It's no. like, I was right here. I felt the yeah. feels I experienced it all. And it's, it's, it's pretty special for, for all parties involved.
1: Yeah. Just yesterday, a buddy was telling me a story about um, his buddy missed a giant deer and, and the guide cried. <laughs> the, the, the guide <laughs> yeah. cried when the hunter missed the deer, like, <laughs> I, I, you know, when you're there and you're like, yeah. sometimes you, you saw it, sometimes you care more than the guy with the weapon. Like it just yeah. depends on the guy. Right. But I mean, like you get very invested
3: well, yeah everybody totally. gets
1: invested, you know, yeah. that's, that's so cool guys. Well, yeah. huge congratulations. um Yeah. The, the uh, VTM, like that was probably one of the first, one of the first kills with VTM.
2: Yeah, I think it was. It was, I think uh, Jeremy, geez, when did he send that? He's So you can't let anybody see it. Right. So it's like, yep. I got Jeremy to send, uh, I got one in bourbon and Brandon got one in wilderness. And so they shipped them to my house and I set them up. You can't take them to a shop, nothing. Right. So I set them up and I was like, Brandon, like we got the bows a little bit late. We, you leave for your hunt. If I like UPS, like express rapid this thing to you, you're gonna have one day before you leave to go on this Jeez. sheep hunt to sight this thing in. I've got it yeah. tuned for you, but are you good? And we're the same draw length and same, uh, same draw weight. And I, I measured, I got him to measure his peep for peep height and everything like that. And (laughs) and yeah, it was, it was stressful. I'm like, oh, UPS don't screw this up. Everything is hanging on the balance here. Right. So they got it to him and he had one day decided in and Brandon's, I mean, he would never brag on himself, but Brandon's a heck of a shot, like a really good shot. So he he knows how to shoot. So when he gets a bow in his hands, it doesn't take Mm -hmm. him long to get it, to get it dialed in, um, at distance. And,
1: uh, very nice. You Thanks shoot competitively, for on
2: my tires, Craig.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: You shoot some competition, Brandon. Yeah, I grew
0: up yeah. shooting competition. I don't okay. shoot really competition anymore, but since I was twelve, I was yeah shooting competitive three D at Target. Yeah,
1: very nice, very nice. And well, I mean, not a difficult shoot
0: bow to shoot either. Not an yeah. aggressive cam. I mean, such a, right. a you you shot the
3: bow. It's just an unbelievably yeah. easy bow to shoot. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I'm a I was a Ventum fan too. This would yeah, be my third third year with this, you know. I, I just I love this series.
2: Yeah. No, love it's it, it's pretty so. sweet. Me and you just got, I think, because I had the thirty-one, and I think you had the thirty-one, and now you just got the thirty-four. I just got the thirty-four, 34 guy.
1: I'm you are a okay. yeah. 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 I just I like just, it a little bit longer. Yeah. See,
2: see, I've always shot the shorter ones, and I love yeah. them. Right. Yeah. And then I, I I was like, I I'd really like to try a thirty-four this year. Right. Um yeah. So I just got the the VTM thirty-four a couple weeks ago. Oh my goodness. Does that thing shoot nice? Yeah, Holy, it's, it's I might, really nice. I don't know. I might not go back to the short ones. Like it's, yeah. it's incredible.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I find them very easy to shoot. And, yeah. that 34 yeah.
0: inch axle to axle I find is the money spot. Even when I was shooting competitive, I liked, I think they had the pro edge for a while there. It was kind of shorter target bows mm-hmm. right in that 34, 35 inch axle to axle. I, that was like my sweet spot. I, I yeah. loved that.
1: Yeah, what's but your I drawing?
0: 28.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: Yeah, I find with these bigger cammed bows, too, I can get away with shooting a smaller uh, axle-to-axle bow and feel just as comfortable with where the like, draw angle is. Yeah. So this 31, I I mean, I was a big fan of it. Still am a big fan of it.
1: Yeah. Well, it, uh, all of your days of target shooting and a, and a lifetime of archery paid off that 72 yard shot at a trophy of a lifetime and you smoked them and it's just a happy ending i love it yeah, man. It, yeah. it's a I'm good way for a it. way to start off with a. I i mean like literally this may have been one of the first animals killed with a vtm yeah. and like what a way to bring it in that's yeah. really it makes me feel like i got good luck now yeah this line right because yeah. brandon brought it in with. yeah that's awesome
0: yeah. I think Jeremy was the first call. He was stoked for sure. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually,
2: when I, we, we called him on speakerphone and I was like, uh, he's like, Hey Craig, how you doing? I was like, I'm doing all right. Uh, I don't know about these bows, man. And he's like, why are there two dead rams? I was like, no, but Brandon just killed one stomper. And he's like, dude.
1: <laughs> he's yeah. yeah. I mean, and I hope everybody appreciates like, how the odds were stacked against that happening. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you guys, you guys make it sound like, you know, I, I mean, I know you did say it's 4% including rifle, right? Yeah. 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 So I mean that, that says it all right there. Yeah. yeah.
2: We were, yeah. we knew it was low odds, but <laughs> you know, you know, the, uh, you know, the famous clip. So you're saying there's a chance, right? That's true. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, nice. Much, uh, nice. Well, guys, thanks so much for sharing your story. I'm sure everybody really enjoyed it. I know I did. It's uh, got me pumped up to get in the mountains. There you go. Well, nice to meet
0: you, and uh, yeah, appreciate the invite. Yeah, Yeah,
1: great chatting, guys. Thank you so
0: much. All right. Hey, everybody. We hope you enjoyed that story from the season. We at Hoyt want to hear your interesting, crazy stories that happened this last season. If you've got one. Head over to the Hoyt Tagged Out Instagram page and direct message us there. Just give us a little summary of what happened to you. And we're going to be choosing listeners to have on the podcast to tell their story from the season. So head over to Hoyt Tagged Out, direct message us what happened to you this season, and hopefully we'll get you here on the podcast.